This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We're here today with Wharton Business Economics and Public Policy Professor Benjamin Lockwood to discuss some of his recent research. Ben, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So first of all, could you give us a brief summary of your research, what you were looking at? Sure, gladly. So um, so I, my research focuses fundamentally on tax policy, issues of redistribution and rising inequality. And, uh, and so the most recent paper that I've been working on uh, this involves issues of work subsidies. So this is a particular kind of anti-poverty program where the government pays especially low-income people to work more. And these kinds of policies are quite widespread. Uh, they exist from the UK to Scandinavia to, uh, to um, New Zealand. They exist in the US in the form of the Earned Income Tax Credit, which is an incredibly popular policy uh, on both sides of the, of the political aisle. Um, but there's a sort of puzzle in optimal tax research because this kind of policy is uh, is suboptimal according to standard economic models. Instead, you should just give people kind of a lump sum and let them do uh, choose the amount of work that they would like to like to provide. Uh, so, so to resolve that puzzle, I've essentially looked to more recent developments in behavioral economics research, which studies temptation and self-control, these kinds of issues. Uh, and one of the lessons of that research is that people often underestimate benefits when they come with a delay and overestimate upfront costs. So this can explain everything from uh, undersaving for retirement to exercising less than one intends to. And when you think about it, labor effort, uh, the decision to work, often often involves those kinds of trade-offs. Uh, you need to put in time at a menial task, or you need to do do lots of unpleasant wor uh, work searching for, for a new job upfront in exchange for the possibility of a delayed benefit in the form of a pay raise or a promotion. So once you take that, that kind of behavioral bias into account, these sorts of work subsidies can actually make a lot of sense. So what were some of the key takeaways of the paper? So I think that there are a couple. Uh, one is that this helps us understand why policies like the Earned Income Tax Credit might be so widespread and so politically popular. Uh, it also helps us understand a kind of puzzle related to the EITC expansion in the 1990s. Um, so the way that expansion worked was to expand work subsidies for, uh, for primarily for single mothers, while at the same time reducing uh, unconditional welfare welfare grants. And um, and so that had the effect of encouraging single mothers to enter the workforce, which they did quite substantially. And conventional economic theory suggests that because it was, it was accompanied by reductions in other welfare programs, this should have actually, on balance, made single mothers worse off. On the other hand, when you look at subjective happiness reports from single mothers over this same period, you actually see that they report being happier over that time frame, which is consistent with this kind of behavioral economic model as they gain the benefits of these delayed, uh, delayed returns to being in the labor force. Great. And so if I am either a policymaker or even just the average person, what are some of the practical implications of, these research, of this research? So I think there are a couple practical ramifications. One is it helps us better understand why we have these kinds of policies and why they're so widespread, why people on both sides of the political aisle might favor them. On the other hand, it also points to reforms that we could potentially make to programs like the EITC to actually improve them. Uh, so one type of reform would be to expand the program from its current more narrow focus on families, uh, primarily single mothers with children, to also expand it to families with uh, without children 
children, single men, and the like, um, because even though because those types of of workers also face these delayed benefits in exchange for upfront costs of work. On the other hand, it also suggests how the structure of the timing of EITC benefits could be improved. So the, the EITC is currently paid out as one lump sum at the end of the tax year, and that, results, and that results in many people taking out loans against those anticipated refunds, uh, often at very high interest rates in excess of 150% at an annualized level. So by paying out EITC benefits more frequently throughout the year, we could avoid those kinds of high-interest loans by providing people the liquidity they need more frequently. Now, with that, also, though, would you have to consider that that is less delayed gratification, in a way, because they'd be getting it over the course of the year as opposed to waiting till the end? Yes, exactly. So, in fact, that's part of the benefit of that sort of alternative timing structure. If we can pay those benefits uh, more frequently and closer to the time that the work is actually performed, then we can help uh, mitigate this temptation to to sort of sit back and not think as much about those delayed benefits. Because people can connect it more directly to Yes, exactly. Great. And so what is, what's next for this research? What are you going to look at? How are you going to follow this up? Sure. So I think there are many different contexts where it's helpful to build considerations of uh, behavioral temptation and self-control into models of optimal redistribution. Uh, so the next project that I'm working on along, along these lines is actually looking at sin taxes, like this uh, more recent soda tax that the city of Philadelphia has introduced. So there are one of the kind of rationales for those kinds of policies is that they help discourage unhealthy behavior, uh, in this case, consuming sugary beverages, hopefully then reducing the incidence of obesity and diabetes. but at the same time, one, co- one perceived cost of those policies is that they can tend to be really regressive, falling heavily on poor, on lower-income consumers. So, uh, so this more recent research that I'm looking at sort of weighs those, those benefits and costs against each other to try to find the optimal point, and also looks at other possible policies like making the income tax more progressive at the same time as we increase sin taxes like, like a tax on soda to kind of offset those regressivity costs so much for being here. My pleasure. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.